0: Hello, welcome to the Northern Monkeys football show. Um, we've got a special episode this week, a very special episode. Um, we have our first former footballer on. Um, first of all, we've got Dan Lutthold we'll here as well, as well as myself, Matt. Um, and today we have former Sheffield Wednesday player um, and many other clubs, Chelsea, Barnes, Lincoln, Lincoln Hibbs, plenty of those, Clegg Rowcastle. Uh, thank you for joining us, Craig. No problem, thanks for having me. Um, so, well, first of Sort of a question is what are you doing now? And you're doing still in
1: football, not involved in football anymore. Where was life taking you? Um still in Kansas City. Um been here 10 years, again it's my 11th year. Um not coaching as much. My, my two girls, they currently play. So I'm kind of watching them, guiding them, mm-hmm. training them a little bit. So took a step back from coaching um to just make sure the kids are doing all right.
0: Brilliant. Um, so, if we go back to the start of your career, um, did you always want to be a footballer? I know certainly me and Dan and in the world. we've always
1: loved to be a professional footballer. Did you have that same dream as well? Yeah, um, it was just always within my vision um, hmm. and obviously I had a famous cousin so and his brother. So, you know, it was seeing them do it kind of wanted me, gave me the challenge to do it too. Hmm.
2: Yeah, that was something I was going to ask. Was uh, was David like an inspiration for you growing up? Is it somebody you wanted to emulate, or uh, w- w- just him sort of being in the game with that with that uh, uh, a driver for you to try and try and aspire to?
1: Yeah, so it wasn't my dad and my mum, and was like massive for me. Um, my dad really used to, without training me, giving me the seeds basically to to grow and challenge myself. Um the my cousin David really clicked him for me when I actually went to Highbury to watch him play. So that was more when Mm. I was about, you know, eight, nine, ten. Um seeing him live, really kinda like, Okay, I I I I could I could see me doing something like this.
0: (laughs) I think then when you got into your sort of earliers early years of your career, it's a bit of a strange journey. You started at QPR of a big professional club. But then, am I right to say they had some administration problems where they had to close their academy
1: down and then you had to drop into non-league for a little bit? So the funny story to that, I don't know know where that came from, but I went, it says QPR youth, but I was there for so long um, during the administration on a trial. So the objective was to sign me, Hmm. but then it never went to that, stage and I stayed and then they couldn't sign me. So long so sure, I was never technically signed but I was okay. there for so long. I had, like I told people, I had the track suit, I had the bags, I was going to games. <laughs> I mean, I was just there for so long Um and I was currently at that time at Gravesend and North League. Hmm. So I was still in non-league technically but I was at QPR most of the time hmm. and then when it kind of was done in dust in terms of they couldn't sign anybody I then obviously you know went back to non-league and then ended up at Kingston.
2: So how, how did it come about that you, uh, you ended up as uh, one of Roman Abramovich's first signings at Chelsea, weren't you?
1: Yeah. So it's <laughs> insane, really, because I went to <laughs> QPR, <laughs> that didn't work. I then went to um, Coventry City with Gary McAllister. So about two and a half weeks, the last game for the reserve team was against Chelsea. Um, I played in this game, played very well in this game, but I came off around the 65th minute. Um, I kind of somehow took a ball right into the eye, which kind of scratched my lens or something. I couldn't see out of one eye. It was foggy. So McAllister says, you know, as well as you did, and I loved I loved what I saw. I'd just like to just see maybe one more game. Could you come back in the preseason? It's not a no. It's just I just can't say yes at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then I leave, go home. So that was like the Thursday, the Saturday is when I got the call from Chelsea Football Club to come in. So it was kind of ironic how it happened.
0: Yeah, it's funny how football works, isn't it? You go in for one thing and then another path just suddenly opens up for you.
1: Correct.
2: And, and a club like Chelsea as well. Uh, I, I bet you couldn't believe your look, actually, at the time. <laughs>
1: well, I always told a story that my friends and I always played pranks, different types of pranks. we are very comical, but I'm sure you are too, with the banter and stuff. So I thought someone was pulling my leg because I couldn't hear the call properly in a shopping center, so I actually hung up the call. Person called back, and this time it was Stuart Bannister, was like the head kit man. Um, he knew people that I knew, mm. so I quickly ran outside, and he was like, "Yeah, we want you to come in Monday." So I talked to my dad. My dad takes out the, the A to Z, shows me where to go, <laughs> um, and I'm thinking someone's having me on here, but I have to go because if I don't go, I could lose out. But I drive there and I pull in, and they're waiting for me at the entrance. Um, they're all downstairs. And then um I came out of the car and Mick McGivin was a reserve manager at the time. He kind of said to me, I'm not gonna repeat the first word, but it was like, you know, what are you doing in a crap hole like Coventry? (laughs) We've all been to Coventry. (laughs) (laughs) I said to him, You have no idea where I've even, you know, come from in terms of like non-league and Hmm. the places I've played, so Coventry was good for me. But yeah.
2: All right, did you did you spend any time specifically with like uh, Ranieri or Mourinho while you were there? Obviously, quite big, famous managers, Premier League winning managers. Uh, I don't know whether you were just Um, reserve or whether you did first team
1: as well. Yeah, Roman was interesting because he never really spoke, and everyone was just terrified of him. Um, (laughs) He just had this permanent kind of smirk on his face, and he's very polite. Hmm. But when he came around, the place was just silent. People didn't want to speak. People didn't want to say anything because of the rumors of 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 what he is and who he's become. ranieri mm-hmm. uh, was interesting because he never really spoke English and didn't care to. So he'd always say hello or good morning. Um, you know, when I finally made the squad and I was on the bench or in the dressing room, um, he wouldn't speak to me. He would either say like today, thumbs up, or he'd tap me on the shoulder <laughs> and say not today. So <laughs> the language <laughs> the language barrier was just, uh, wasn't good. Um but he's very polite. Um Jose was a whole different kettle of fish. I mean, he would speak to me every day. He knew everything about me. He, you know, I was within the 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 whole pre-season plans. It was it was a whole different different thing.
0: But they didn't obviously chelsea I'm sure it would fantastic. They never quite worked out in terms of appearances. Um and then it became a couple of loans, low moves away. Chelsea nowadays are known for having everybody on their books and loaning everybody out. Was Obviously, that was early in Abramovich's uh, time. Was that the case at the time where you thought, I'm going to come in and maybe go on loan, or was, was the plan initially, I want to get into this first team as, as soon as possible?
1: You always want to get into the first team, but the realities are, are, are tough. Um, it's all about timing, in my opinion, in football, period. Um, but, you know, people say to me, like, oh, you know, you didn't play at Chelsea? Yeah, because I had Macaulay Laver on Petit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, The list is huge. And then they see Michael we have Scott Parker. I mean, it's, just, it's huge. Mm-hmm. So the whole formula for them at the time was, we want you to get as many games as possible somewhere else and obviously do well enough to either come back or at least have options to be a professional player because it's, it's a hard industry. Um, so that's always been the plans. I mean, loads of players always get loaned out when you're at those big clubs. Mm-hmm.
2: Well like, well, like you mentioned some of the names that were there, obviously they just started all the big spending at the time, hadn't they uh, were there any were there any players there that had a particular impression on you?
1: Oh, I mean loads I mean I mean Frank Lampard was there just before I got there um then McAlee, they come through the door and then we signed, we signed Varon um I mean there's so many people that you know you sit there and you watch them train and watch them play, and they're just phenomenal um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's quite a few of them. I mean, Emmanuel Petit, it was his last season, but you know, seeing what he World Cup winner. Yeah, I mean, there's just too many to choose from. There's so much talent, they trade with so much passion. Um, it was it was it was a lot to choose from.
0: And then your first loan was local to us, uh Barnsley. Now uh, we're not Barnsley fans, but it's close to us. Um that's when you made first league appearance. Yeah. Um what's it like going out on loan? Because it always strikes me as an interesting thing because you're not actually part of the club but you obviously want to play well for yourself as Correct. well as the club as well Correct. Uh, what's your mindset going into a first loan and just loans in general
1: i was excited but also i ain't gonna lie to you i was a bit nervous because mm. um just it, it, it felt like a pressure i didn't realize at time that not that it was struggling but it was a bad run of form um mm. now i know why some players kind of really select where they would like to go so when i got there you know they welcomed me um Um, players welcomed me um, and I was excited to play but it was a real learning curve for me because I didn't really understand how much pressure you know like when you're coming off loan for someone like Chelsea at the time who had a Mm -hmm. massive takeover I mean you're coming in as more of a savior Mm -hmm. so I I didn't realize that at the time so it was a bit naive from me you know you think you can go there and just play football but the fans mm. weren't born in that, so I've
2: never, I've never thought of it like that. But um, I'm sat here now, hoping that Wednesday get a saviour at some point <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, gone at all?
0: Right.
2: So you, did you is why right, you went up to Hibs uh, after that? Uh, yeah. What was it yeah. like, yeah. other than cold? What was it Honestly. like uh, north of the border?
1: <laughs> Honestly, Edinburgh is not too bad. Um, and obviously, I went there in the summer. Um, yeah. Summer, but back end of the summer. Um, it was a the Barnsley thing was a learning curve for me. Um, went to Hibernian, um, didn't know what to expect, but Tony Mowbray and Mark Venus were the brilliant. Brilliant. Um, Tony Mowbray was more like the orchestra, and Venus was the passion. Um, and it was a very good collaboration. Um, mm. and for me personally, I think there was a massive other than Jose Mourinho and Mitt McGiven and Steve Clark. Um, Tony Mowbray and Venus was a massive part of me actually moulding into what I consider like a professional player that played football, Um, because what they did for me, uh, the words, the encouragement, the platform, the challenges, um, it definitely made me, in my opinion, kind of step into the real mould of being a a professional football player.
2: I suppose when you look back now, a lot of these managers you're mentioning are all, a lot of them are still going, (laughs) there's a reason for that, so... it, it probably a brilliant experience to work with
0: with people like that. Yeah, massive. Uh, and then I, I, when we were reading up about this, how, how close did you come to signing permanent for Hibs? There's notes
1: sort of everywhere that it was sort of close. to there was was it ever? It was, it was close. Um, as I said, I had a great time. I enjoyed it. The squad was young. I mean, our oldest players were like Stephen Glass and Gary Caldwell. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic. And then everybody else was in that range of maybe eighteen to twenty-one. Um, and it was just fantastic. So I was super close. Um, The terms couldn't be agreed on because, you know, I didn't like the platform, how they did that. So they basically wanted to pay you a certain amount of money based on your age. And it didn't make right. sense to me. And I understand, I understand their formula because for, for for most of the kids were coming through the same system, but I didn't.
2: Mm-hmm. So for
1: me to take a massive pay cut but to play every single game didn't make any sense to me it wasn't about money it was just the way they handled it if they said they could have just gave me xyz i would have said okay fair enough but then to bring me down and say well you're only just so years of age and this is what we do for players this years of age i was like that's just stupid so
2: <laughs> well, it's probably not even legal these days <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, like, that, I mean if i was a bit part player there i understand mm-hmm. but to play gaming game out no matter if i got one leg or two legs you know the importance they wanted me to play it still not mm-hmm. any sense so it went on for a while, and then I think on the last three days, we was about to play Hearts um, on New Year's Day. Um, they finally kind of said to me, like, oh, we'll give you whatever you want. Um, but by that time, I already made my mind up to go back. Um, and speaking to the staff at Chelsea, including Jose Mourinho, he was happy to have me back at mm. the time. And then we had an FA Cup game at Scumford against Scunthorpe. So I was supposed to go back and play in that and get my first appearance. But by the time I left on the 3rd of January from the loan, the clearance went through the day late, so then I missed that freaking game too. So I'm sitting there just <laughs> pumping at the bit like just pissed off. But it's, it's, it happens. Um, mm. it, it's just, it's life.
0: Yeah. And then came your first permanent move away from Chelsea uh, to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, as many of our regular listeners know, I'm not a Sheffield Wednesday fan. I'm the opposite. I spot Robin United. Um, but I'm fully aware that Sheffield Wednesday are a huge club, and at the time being in League One, to sign for a club like Sheffield Wednesday and in, in, in League One to try and get them out of the ch- to the Championship
1: must be a hell of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was a no-brainer. Um, mm. Like I said during David's era, Sheffield Wednesday was huge. Um, I loved players like Chris Waddle, um, loved players like John Sheridan. So, I mean, I even remember Bart Williams. So, if, for me, it was it was a no-brainer. Um, yeah. I played it on loan for Barnsley against shuffle wednesday and i just remember the atmosphere the drums i mean it was insane and then obviously when it came to my time it was it was easy easy decision hard yes. decision to leave but when i came back from Hibbs, i think my first game back was like a reserve game against norwich city at carrow road and i'm like i felt like a grandfather on the pitch everyone else was like 16 17 18 and it was me and i'm like this is this is this isn't it. so the offers i had um, some higher, some the same level. It was the club that more attracted me to anything because they're they're massive. And what yeah, a, good choice, a-
2: good choice of words. What
0: all the Sheffield Wednesday's big picks? because they were in League One's the worst they've been in a very very long time. And the season before, I think Nuttall correctly finished oh, yeah. lower mid table. It, it was the worst. I think it was probably the worst finishing as his history season before. <laughs> What was what was the project that we saw? Like obviously, we want to get out of this league, but was there a, a
1: long-term project for them or was it just come and sign for us and try and get us up? It wasn't even that type of conversation. It was more hmm. like the personal terms. And for me, it was I, they knew I was in. Yeah. Um, I already knew where they were at the table. I knew Kenwin was there just banging in goals left, right and centre. And I knew what they were doing. Um, I just knew that if I want to play this game, I want to play for a massive club. Uh, if I want to play this game no disrespect to anybody else I want to step out and see fans and that's what you get for clubs like Sheffield Wednesday so I was sold on it and I knew when they were on the table I didn't even think about that that's a good question but I just knew that I wanted to go there and I wanted to play mm-hmm. um, once I was there then that message was delivered about you know yeah. finishing top two you know getting promotion um, which is something that was done in the end so
2: what, what was it like that season it was it's one that uh, a lot of Wednesday fans obviously remember uh, Fondly, because it was the start that the the start of not declining for so long. So because we'd been so from the late nineties to that point, obviously right. everything had been decline, and at that season was was the start of the turnaround, basically. Uh, so so so, what was it like to to be a part of it?
1: It reminded me of the Hibs. You step in the room and you've got you know, a combination of, you know, Lee Bull and more experienced pros, you know, Lee Peacock, and then you got the likes of, you know, Chris Brunt and Gwen William and JP McGovern. So you had this very balanced mindset of the older players who wanted to achieve still, and then the younger players, what I say myself, that had a chip on their shoulder because you want to play at the highest level. Um, So, and then there's Steve McLean, he could score with his eyes closed. So there were so many elements to it. Joey O'Brien was still there at the time. it was just easy. I mean, the atmosphere was bubbly, you know, you had (laughs) half Scott, half English with a bit (laughs) of Irish. Um, you know, it was just, it was very loud and entertaining. Um, but the work ethic and the passion and the dedication and the, you know, the, the argy barges, it all happened. They, you know, Monday through Friday. So you, I'm not surprised at sound biased that we got promoted because that group of that group of guys that were in the squad and in the plans, they were committed to the course.
2: Uh, well, I, it was something I was going to. Hear. Obviously, you mentioned a couple of them names there, but I was uh, uh, looking back at the playoff final team, and obviously, that's the day that you're most remembered for at Wednesday because it was probably the best performance you ever put in. Uh, uh, widely regarded as man at match on the day in a right. midfield that um, consisted of Chris Brunt and Glenn Whelan, who obviously went on to have brilliant careers. Yeah, uh, What were it like to play with? With with people like them, at obviously, the early right. stages of the career when they when they're not they're not what they became,
1: right? But you can see that though, because I mean, Brandon oh, yeah, is, like is ridiculous. Um, Glenn Whelan's vision and, and passing ability is phenomenal, and even though he didn't go higher, which he should have, JP was such a technical genius. Um, they just Glenn Whelan was like the angry man, like just all <laughs> all business. all all, his personality was just all business and then Brunty was like I couldn't give a crap man you know he just just really didn't care how he looked what he did but he just (laughs) loved football um but their potential um like I said was sky high I mean they're talented I mean Brunty came from Middlesbrough obviously Glenn came from Man City JP came from Glasgow I came from Chelsea so you just have all of these players that have had a taste and for whatever reason you know didn't have the opportunity to stay but you could see that at some point or another, with a bit of luck and some timing, based on what they could do, they was going to get there.
0: And then you get to the playoffs. Um, interested? Obviously, you mentioned your aim was top two; that was the plan. When you don't get the top two, when you have to go into the playoffs, which is not necessarily a lottery, but anything can happen in the playoffs. Do you? Does it change your mindset, or is it just right? We go again, or just just take it game by game. Does it, does it change your mindset when that happens?
1: Yeah, because we we should have been top two. But there was just a huge decline for whatever reason. It was just, it was just, it was weird. Um Paul Stark was a nervous wreck. He really was. Um <laughs> So going into the playoffs, you could see how nervous he was uh, player wise. We didn't give a crap, you know, but he was really nervous. I understand because his job is hard. Um We didn't, really, not that we were scared, but Brentford, to, in my opinion, and for most of the boys, I don't know, they could say something different now, was the hardest challenge for us. Mm. Just because of the way they played under Allen, what they had, it was very difficult to play against sometimes, even though we've always, we, we had good results, but it was difficult. Mm. So once we kind of like took them to pieces and we finished them off, for for us, it was, that that was it. And I'll just show it to Hartlepool, but we just felt like we just had a better team.
2: Yeah, I have to say, looking back at that, I mean, I've I've obviously got good memories of that day, but I have bad memories in that I was a season ticket holder. I'd been to every game that season, and I were in Paris for playoff final. So, <laughs> and uh, and 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 back then, internet wasn't freely available on your phone, so it was quite right. difficult keeping up to up to date with what was happening. Right. Um. But obviously, we're a bit of a see of blue. I know Hartlepool played in blue and white, but a bit. Of a, I know. Uh, I think it was the most fans had ever gone to a playoff final that day, right? Uh, and, I, and I remember, uh, obviously talking to the people that I knew that had gone saying it were, it were, it were a really special day. So, what would what it like to play in an, an occasion like that?
1: I mean, you're, you're ready to go, especially you know, you're ready to go. It's, it's a game of importance, it's a game you want to play. In. And as we're pulling on the coach, I mean, fans was just everywhere. I mean everywhere i mean it, I, can't, I can't remember how long it took us to actually get into the stadium because of the wednesday fans being around the bus in front of the bus behind the bus um and then when you step out onto the pitch once we've got changed and all of that stuff i mean you say Hartley blue and white but you could tell it was us i mean we went from left to right to behind you could just see it you could hear it i mean it was it was it was phenomenal it was absolutely it was class um and i so said it's just you know you look around at each other and you're like okay we have to win today, you know. What I mean, it's just that feeling like this. There's, there's you have to win the game today. They
0: yeah, were a topsy turvy game, though. It wasn't,
1: it wasn't plain sailing, was it? Obviously, went from the no, everything they had into that game, didn't they? No, it, it was weird. And I said, I wasn't, I wasn't scared, but when that second goal went in, I just thought to myself, how how has this even happened? I mean, how did yeah. we even get here? And I knew we could get a goal back. Hmm. But sometimes I was worried they oh, will be going to get a goal back but concede the goal because they're pushing too hard you know but I knew we'd get a goal back but I just couldn't believe when we went 2-1 down I was like this is it, football's just crazy but um, once we got 2-2 two, two, the momentum from us and you know we just obviously finished off the job
0: I imagine winning playoff it was the only playoff final that Wednesday have won so far uh, so part of a, a very very small group of Wednesday players that have done that how was the party afterwards I
1: imagine it was a good night. <laughs> so, again, the amount of fans that went to, to the game mm. slowed us down getting back to Sheffield because we <laughs> were all on the same road on the way back. So it took us... I can't remember how long it took us, but, I mean, we we stopped off on three different service stations and we had a mini party going up, up and down the escalating stairs, got back on the bus, tried to head back down, but the traffic was just crazy. Um, and then by the time we got back, um everyone just said all right let's just go here and we was all in our you know tracksuit still just running around Sheffield, just having a great time i mean it was and then we got back and they would come running and start it was like a constant repetition of the celebration like every hour it's like on the hour every hour would jeer up again and on the hour every hour it was just it was insane <laughs> to me it was like that for the whole week I mean, I saw yeah. people literally walking with a flag around them like they haven't even got changed or anything or showered. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was it was brilliant. It was fantastic. It was a good feeling. It was a good feeling.
0: Yeah. And then you move on to the championship. Uh, big step up in leagues, as it, as it is now, as it was then. Um is it was it just we need to survive, or was it was Sheffield Wednesday we think we need to be kicking on a bit further? Hmm.
1: You can never survive at somewhere like Sheffield Wednesday. It's all about the climb. Because, in most fans' eyes, the history they want to get back to that point, um, mm-hmm. you know, they want to they feel like they should be in the premiership. Um, so it was never a surviving thing. Um, that there was a clash of playing styles because obviously Stark had his way, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Most of the players didn't like that way for whatever reason. Um, so that's when you start seeing <laughs> uh, the move is going out because. You know, he wanted players to do what he wanted them to do, Um, which I understand you're the coach. But it was hard to do that against some of the teams because obviously it was more of a quality game. And as players, we felt like we could play that quality if we were allowed to play that quality. Mm -hmm. You know, like Chris Brunt didn't like running. He didn't want to keep running. You know, you I mean, as a Wednesday fan, as good as he was, you knew that he didn't like running.
2: Oh, no, I can remember he was uh, <laughs> quite. Well, I know he was late for a section for a section of time. I remember him not being very popular, despite how good Correct. he was. And Correct. I think that was to do with him being quite lazy
1: back, back then. And you know, if people remember, like he got dropped quite often. It was a while where he won the team, and then Matty Hampshire came back. Which was great for Matty. He's a great player. It was just it was it was hard. Um, and with that type of culture around the club, not between us players, just like. Tired of the style, tired of the running, you know, Terror Tuesdays, we start with kind of his whistle around his finger and we're just running for hours. <laughs> you know, it became, it became what it became. Um, but I think the signing of Burton and Guy was huge because those two, those two are really good at what they do, um, you know, helped us score goals. So, yeah, it's never a survive mentality because the Wednesday fans like, we're here to win. I mean, mm. I mean, they don't, they don't back down from any challenge of any kind.
2: We yeah. like to win. We just don't see it much anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it will change. Okay. <laughs> uh,
2: so how did how did your leaving come about?
1: It was interesting. As I say, it was a roller coaster championship season um, for a few of us. Um, then one day I felt like, uh, one day I've noticed that I wasn't on the 18. So I thought, okay, here's what it is. I still trained hard, still whatever, and then. Around about the Christmas time, he had interviews with everybody, but not me. I was one of the last person weeks and weeks and weeks afterwards. And then I went into the office and he was honest with me. We had a great relationship um, at that point. And he just said, look, I know you don't like the way I play. Um, and we're not going to really play the way you would like to play. Um, so we're probably going to encourage you to find somewhere else. OK, no problem. And we had a good conversation. It wasn't it wasn't any fallout. It wasn't mm-hmm. any. Yeah, it wasn't any. You know, he said i'm surprised i thought he'd have been banging down my door because I was, I was quite um a hothead in terms of football but mm. quite off the pitch so i said i mean there's nothing i can do you know you make the decisions um so then on deadline day i was supposed to go back to hibbs um, and that fell through because they couldn't actually afford me at that time because of who they re-signed and then i ended up going to yovo on deadline day for a long spill
0: yeah, as you, like you say, you went to Yeovil. Um, was that for the rest of the season then?
1: On deadline yeah, to, yeah, to end the of the season.
0: Yeah. Okay, uh, and then after that, the following season, a permanent move away came to Oldham. Was was that was that always the plan after having that conversation around Christmas time and then going to Yeovil? Was it always right? I'm going to have to potentially move somewhere permanent after at the end of the season.
1: No, but John Sheridan right. came and spoke to me, um, and obviously I loved sheds um, as a player, uh, mm. and I felt for me same positions he could help me be a better player you know because mm. you never stop learning so for the likes of him coming in for me it was an easy decision in my eyes again to move to somewhere like that for him didn't necessarily want to leave the club and i was prepared to battle for it but i just thought well this um it could be good for me basically so mm. that's why that's why i made that move to oldham so it was
0: semi successful. We got a, a decent season missing out in the playoffs, having I mean, the success with, with Wednesday, but then sort of playoff heartbreak with Oldham. Um, all right, you lost in the semi finals. Well, was that in League One at the time or League Two? League One. League One. Which is yeah. well, for Oldham to get to League One playoffs in, in itself is a, is a pretty good achievement, to be fair.
1: He had a plan um <laughs> it didn't work out because he, he had this plan to play like you know this system he had like you know me richard wellens and a few other players that are really good some youngsters mm. that were good but the opening four games i think we might have won one and tied four so we're sitting in the bottom four mm. um so then he goes straight for four four two he goes um Ports and, and Little up top, and it worked. I mean, he went Channel One, and it works. So I'm sitting there on the bench, like, oh my god, this is happening all over again. But we go from bottom four to top of the league by December. We're top of the league, mm. um, and then in January, he kind of used me and, and Neil Wood, another guy, another guy that came from Man United, really good player Woody, to come on as closers. Mm. Um, and then throughout the rest of the season, I got back into the team, and then obviously played the playoff run, But then we fell up short in the playoffs. Um, but it was an interesting, interesting season again for me. Um, I mean, Eddie did it, but mm. but we lost.
2: So you, you, obviously, you, you moved about a bit after that. But you went you went abroad. Did, was it? Is it? Ah, ah you'll have to uh, forgive me. because I Can't pronounce the name of that team. But is it in? <laughs> <they were laughs> or is that in Tur- Turkey? Greece, Turkey. Greece, Greece. Well, uh, what were it like going and playing in a, in a different country?
1: So I always wanted to go abroad. Um, you know, I always watched European football. Um, I should have went to France at Chelsea because um, I was supposed to go to FC Nantes on loan. So when it came up, it was an easy decision for me. Um, I mean, we had like three managers in three months at Port Vale. It was it was a sticky, sticky situation. Um, so the change was good. Um, it was tough learning the language. But everything else outside of that for me was good. It's, I mean, it's what I wanted. I mean, the atmosphere at games—you um, kind of nearly lost your life at games because fans would throw things all over the pitch and, and <laughs> flares. And but the experience alone was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the football. Um, like I said, I enjoyed playing against some of the bigger players um, around in Europe. So yeah, it was it was good. But the language was tough. It was really tough.
2: Yeah, I can imagine it is.
1: To be honest, people say people say like, "Oh, Greece, they speak English." Yeah, when you're down on holiday because they want your (laughs) money. But if you're living there every single day, they look at you and they're not speaking Greek. They, I mean, they're not speaking English. They're going to speak Greek. Mm. And then if they if they kind of like you or become familiar with you, then they might try to speak English. So even my teammates, they could speak English, but they will speak Greek. And I'll just look at them like I don't know what you're saying, and then they will speak English. So, yeah, I mean, it was tough learning language, but I mean, no, you can't really complain living in Athens. You've got the weather, it's one of so, the biggest cities, yeah. you've got the beaches, you got all of that stuff. Um, it was a change in, in culture because the games were in the night. So you're like okay. 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock mm-hmm. games. So you're sitting around the whole day where I was used to playing the 3 o'clock games, which I loved, you know. So that was the only change. And sometimes you trained in the night because of the heat. So you train at 7, 8 at night. So, but. Yeah, I couldn't complain. I mean, I'm in Athens in, in Greece, so not too bad. Yeah,
2: you don't want to be running around playing in 40 degree. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: uh, and then a couple of spells in the lower league, uh, well in Dover, Forest Green. And then you move over to the M- MLS, uh, yeah. Sporting Kansas City, What's that 10, 11 years ago. So we're still on the climb to where it is now, the MLS. Uh, yeah. But it had been sort of established for a few years and was were more well known to the British public than it had been previously. Was, again, was that a very easy move? I want to try something new in America or was it, sorry, not sure about
1: it? So I was waiting for clearance because obviously the Greece team, you know, in general, they're the climate. They don't really pay on time and all that type of stuff. Um, so the only thing I could do was go to non-league and obviously I had NDS mm. Tyler um, took me to Dover. Um, and then uh, David Hocker, they took me over to Forest Green. Um, so I didn't know too much about Kansas City, but mm. out of the teams that were interested – um, they called me the most. Um, so I've always felt like, you know, you go where you feel like you're wanted. You know, the yeah. conversations that I had with every one of their staff, coaching staff members was good. Um, they took the time to call me and get to know me, not persuade me, just get to know who I was and told me what they wanted to do. So I said, all right, let's give it a crack. So I went over there. I didn't even get to Kansas City until March. I met the team in Arizona because they go to Arizona for their training camp. Hmm. So, yeah, went over there, and, I mean, the coach himself was a former player. Two of the assistants were also teammates and former players. So they were just football heads. Um, they wanted it to be like a European club. They wanted – you know, there was only one of the teams to have a training facility with three different types of pitches, mm-hmm. um, They and they wanted to build their stadium. They, they were football heads. They wanted to make it feel like a football club. So mm-hmm. – I chose right, in my opinion, because we went to other places and they didn't even have a training facility. So mm. um, it was a great experience. I mean, different. Um, but David Beckham definitely put this league on the map. Um, everywhere he went, this place was sold out. I mean, it was insane. We played Colorado. The week after he played Colorado, this place is sold out. People standing around the ground. We went there and there was about 8,000 people there. So he, he made the league um, global. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yeah. I gotta you liked it in Kansas. Given you're still there,
1: <laughs> <laughs> met my wife here. We got kids here. I mean, is it is it Las Vegas? No, um, it has enough. It's fun. It's safe. Um, no traffic. I mean, if I, when I if I go to the airport, I can check in an hour before and go home. Um, you know, if I'm coming out, by the time I come off the plane, as I as I step out, my bags probably going around the, uh, the bag thing, and I'm out. No traffic. No, yeah, it's it's easy. And then get like you get like ten months of summer. So perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, not, I'll go i
0: going on Wikipedia. This it says you played for Missouri Commons Comets in an yeah. Indoor Soccer League. Yeah. I had a quick look at it, and it's not just we'll score a go back in that, there's a different point system to it.
1: Is that right? It's insane. <laughs> So we used to do a lot of uh, collaborative work. We would be there, we would do like half-time appearances and I'm sitting there watching this thing, saying, oh, it's, it's, it's all right, I won't mind doing it. Or I could, so my, our first child was born and I didn't know if I should still travel. Um, mm-hmm. or not. I wasn't too sure. Um, it was a tough decision being a parent for the first time. And obviously mm-hmm. my wife's American and I'm English, so it was different. So I thought, buy me some time, I'll sign there and then look for the summer window. I mean, they were great to me, but it's just a different ball game. It's not like, not the masters because obviously they're ex- older players, but mm. they play this off the wall system thing, and it's just insane. And then you're supposed to play, like a minute forty five to like two minutes top, so you're in and out. It's weird. Mm. It's and it's like two points, and then three points behind the line. Then you know you get your blue cards, your yellow card. It's it's it, <laughs> it, it, like. It, I struggled. It was. It was tough. It was. It was tough. Yeah. It was. And then they lay. You play, you play on. You play on. Um, hockey rinks. You play in hockey rinks. So it's like mm. hockey and, and, and football combined together. Because they smash okay. it up against the boards, and then they lay. They lay this turfing. So we're we're lucky in Kansas that we can facilitate when we lay it and let it go flat. Mm. Some people might have to lay it literally the morning of after the game the night before. So, you turn up to places and it's like a magical carpet, like the the (laughs) turf. It's one of the hard. And then you play back to back games. So, like, you play, you know, New York one night, then you drive to Rochester and play the next night. I've never been so sore and bruised in my life. Like, (laughs) it was just a different ball game. It was just just weird. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And you had a
0: brief international career as well 12 caps uh,
1: for Grenada. Um, Again, I imagine when that opportunity came up, it was like, I've got to go do this. It was always dear. So my dad was born and raised in Grenada. My mom born and raised in Jamaica. So I had the best of both worlds or well, three worlds. So I had a very good relationship with my grandma on my dad's side. Um, so it was always there. But because the CONCACAF plays during our busiest time of the season, yeah. I didn't really want to leave at that point mm-hmm. to go not do that. So when I came to America because of the way the league structured, you know, our Christmas is our off season and that's when Mm. most of their games or competitions are being played. So it kind of slotted in better with how the league was structured um, for me to actually go and make that step. But for years, I mean, the phone calls we had for years and I just, I mean, I wasn't ready to leave Sheffield Wednesday or Chelsea at that time or Oldham, you know, over the Christmas period for like, you know, two months to to go and play that.
2: Yeah. Which is understandable, obviously, because yeah. you were just in, in, in infancy, of getting your career career going, I suppose, at that point, weren't you? So you don't want to be going mid-season to to go and play internationally.
1: Sure. I say it's an important stage of the season. It's a busy time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the right time.
2: All right. Well, we've got a few quick-fire questions just to finish. Okay. So, uh, best play you've played with.
1: I say it all the time so even though i've played with some good players um some great players leon knight when i was at chelsea um for me is one of the best players i played for and i know he went to wednesday i know he was on loan and that boy um his talent was unbelievable um it's hard because he's five foot sorry leon he's what five foot two um but the way the way you you know, you kind of play at Chelsea or Arsenal. It's, it's different. It facilitates your strengths. Mm-hmm. So playing with him in that culture, and that environment, I mean, the boy was a genius. Um He was so talented. But then when he went into league football, how many teams have a striker that's five foot, two mm-hmm. or five? So it, it's tough for him. So then he goes out wide, but he doesn't want to play out wide. So it's, it's hard for him, but his talent, the games I played with him, the, the, the kid was just on another level. It was just hard for him to find the right fit. Um, and his temperament, um, you know, is, is different. But but then he went to Brighton under Steve Koppel and he got it right. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely one of the best players I've, I've played with.
2: I have to admit, it shocked me. I never expected you to say Leon. <laughs> <that
1: either. laughs> I mean, there's some other there's some kind of players I've played with, but... I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. I mean, people forget, like, Leon Knight was a Lily Short kid. He was an England kid. He, he, he was phenomenal. Um, just sometimes it just doesn't work out in his favour. And you've got people like Leon Britton who have to go down to Swansea and Swansea get promoted for him to be recognised for his talents. So, you know, it's just, it's just the game. It's the way it is. It's, it's tough. Uh, all
2: right. Best manager you've worked with or worked under?
1: I'm. Going to, I'm. Jose was obviously on another level, but I would have to give it to Tony Mowbray. Um, Tony Mowbray and Mark Venus for me at the time of being at Hibernian. You know, I said what they did for me. Um, it wasn't just training; it's just the information they fed me, the encouragement they gave me, and also the challenges. Um, so I definitely say Tony Mowbray and Mark Venus. Okay. And I do want to give a shout out to Kevin Summerfield because. I know you're a Starrix guy and, and everything else, but he really appreciated football um, and the conversations that we had and, and and things that we did. He he definitely did a lot for me too. So I want to give him a little shout out there. All
2: right. Well, we've got what w- one more. Okay. Uh, fa- uh, favorite club offer, uh, sort of sort of favorite club, favorite time of your career.
1: That's tough. <laughs> 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 uh, that's tough. Um Obviously, Chelsea was a dream. Um, I'll give it to Sheffield because Sheffield was my first signing. Um, Sheffield was, you know, where I signed for and played for. And um, it's tough to choose that, but I definitely give it to Sheffield because I did have some great times. I know it didn't end well, but um, the training, the teammates, the friendships that I got there um, are still here today. So I definitely give it out to Sheffield. He's only saying it because you are in at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Um, thank you, man. Anything else you want to ask, Natal? Oh, no. no, no, no. So I
2: think we've wrapped it up. We yeah,
0: really real. appreciate your time.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me, man.
0: For real. Thank you for thank. Really appreciate doing this. It's been been good fun. Um, and I hope everybody who listens it really, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Alrighty. We we'll have a good one. Thank you too, mate. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. So thanks all for listening. Uh, I hope you've really enjoyed it as much as we have. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, subscribe to know the Northern Monkeys football show on iTunes or Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get it. We're also on YouTube. Probably this part's on YouTube, some other things on YouTube over the next week's Northern Monkeys on YouTube. Thank you, everybody, and I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll see you all again very, very soon. And special thanks to Craig for doing this for us. Cheers, guys.